With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. HN Podcast, I'm John Miller, along with Steve Dace, middle of May. Steve, I would say, in my opinion, having been a former sports talk show host in Central Iowa, we are entering into the long season. This time through the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, uh, the All-Star break, and, you know, right now, at least, what is it, third week of July, they do the SEC media days. I think the Big Ten media days last year were in July. It used to all be in August. So this is this is the beginning of the, of, of the, of the tough time. It is. I used to tell our management back in the day, and our audience probably heard me say this before because I realized recently I'm Bob Dyer and repeating all my, you know, stories and anecdotes now. But yes. um, I used to tell our audience, or used to tell our management back in the day, you're really paying me for the whole year for these couple of months. All right. To, to, you know, keep the fires burning until, you know, Iowa and Iowa state come back. And, um, even doing a daily show, uh, where you are able to talk any topic nationally and you're mm-hmm. the guy you're doing it with is going to have a bust in Cooperstown there. Are, even with that, there can be days where if you want to, if you're, tr- if you want to make sure you don't overly politicize sports or, try to become Stephen A. Smith and hot take or Skip Bayless and, and hot take everything, there can even be pick it, slim pickings looking at this on a national basis, too, if there's no compelling storylines like in the NBA. Now, like yesterday, I watched game four, game seven's fourth quarters of both NBA games, and it was great basketball. I haven't said that in a while. It was great basketball. You know, buzzer beater shot there by, uh, by Kyrie. And, uh, but if you don't have stuff like that, if you have, you know, the – the Golden State Warriors doing, you know, you know, boot stomping everybody again. It gets boring. Mm-hmm. It does get very boring, no doubt about that. So, with that conversation firmly in place to kick off this podcast, you may be thinking we're setting the bar low. But no, Dace has reached into his bag of tricks uh, very early on, going to the bullpen pretty early. Didn't even get five good innings out of the starter. And we're running that opener right now. Yes, we're running that <laughs> opener. <laughs> uh, you pose an interesting question this week, and one that I will certainly enjoy and, and want to really dive into. And all, since you're the, one, you're the one that came up with it, I'll, I'll let you ask it. Which athletic department would you rather be the next five years? Iowa or Iowa State? And... I don't think the answer is really cut and dry, actually. Um, five years. Am I the athletic years. director? Yeah. I mean, is that what I am? Just ath- I, You can take it from any angle, but yes. Which athletic department would you rather be, you know, over the next five years, Iowa or Iowa State? And okay. the reason why I don't think it's too cut and dry is because – I don't think the Big 12 is in trouble anymore, John. I don't. I think they have cleverly found a way to they they have they've pulled an offer, John. They have kind of failed upward. And 
you know, two years ago, they had, they had this weird, you know, or three years ago now, this, this weird dalliance with expansion and which teams and what was it like 30 teams sent them videos and, and, you know, PowerPoints and presentations and Skype meetings. And then they didn't pick anybody right? because ES, right. ESPN didn't want any more any, to, to, to touch off another round of musical chairs. So they paid them not to expand. And we all took that as the minute we get to the end of this contract, Texas is out. Right. And, mm -hmm. and then what happened is they found a, like a third away with their third tier rights for all their individual schools. Now they're not making seven, seven million a year from the big, from the Longhorn network like Texas is, but Iowa state's making a couple million a year from selling its third tier rights to, you know, Mediacom for basketball or, you know, uh, cyclone.com subscriptions and things of that nature. Uh, and then they've got this new deal now with ESPN plus the new ESPN app. And that's going to, that's blowing up. And, it's going to blow up more when Disney launches. Disney. Up to be, to be What's that? What is blowing up to be clear? Their subscription number launches on that is pretty good so far, actually. On the ESPN Plus app? Yes. Their numbers have been pretty good so far. And they're going what to What is a subscription to that? I don't know what the I don't know what the amount is cuz I you know what, you know what about 2 months ago I called DirecTV to cancel. Right. And just said I'm just going to get, you know, you guys are give me the same. You would give me the same programming package with Directv now, you know, digital. If you know for seventy five, eighty bucks a month, why wouldn't I just do that? And so mm -hmm. they 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 didn't want to lose my. I've been a customer since two thousand, so they gave me my same programming package with all the hardwire equipment for the same price that I would pay Directv now. Mm. And and when Disney Plus when Disney Plus launches in November. That's where the Avengers Endgame is going to make its on-demand debut. They've already got several Marvel series lined up for that. Disney's moving its entire library off of Netflix and everything else and moving it onto that. And the, the industry speculation is what they're eventually going to do very shortly into 2020 is they're going to, is they, is they, they're going to offer that uh, Hulu, which they also now own, uh, that Hulu and ESPN as all one package. Um, to leverage the marketplace. So the Big 12 is kind of the official network now of ESPN Plus. They've found hmm. a way to create they found a way to create the Big 12 network. And the way they did it is they just made them they're going to expand and have virtually every Big 12 game that's not on network television is going to be available on ESPN Plus now. And ESPN's uh, paying a nice a nice chunk of change for all of that content as well. Right. Right. See, and, and see, I think the league that's in trouble is the Pac-12. I think that's the oh, league yeah. in trouble. I, I, I agree with that. And we'll, we'll jump back into that here in a second before we start making these uh, decisions. I, I want to have that conversation. Um, ESPN Plus is $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year. Um, daily selection of live sports, ESPN originals on demand. And what once would have been a joke, it's no longer a joke. Uh, you can't now everything back in 2009 and 10 that you predicted was going to happen is exactly what is going on right now. Sometimes I get it right. And when it when it, when it relates to technology, I've been pretty good because I remember telling our former boss, Joel McRae, in 2006, that one day people won't be listening to sound off on WHO. What they're going to be able to do is their cars are going to have a computer on board 
and they're going to be able to type in johnmiller.com and they're going to listen to my thoughts on the games immediately after the game is over. Mm-hmm. I'll be able to do a live show instantaneously and I'll be able to do it on demand and people will come to my website and hear it. Any thought? And I said, you'll probably wind up making a lot of money for your, your uh, signal being some type of cellular or Wi-Fi repeater someday. And he laughed and he said, no, I don't believe that. Now, we're not quite there to where WHO's uh, prodigious signal will be a Wi-Fi blanket over the state of Iowa. I think we'll get there. And I already do the on-demand podcast immediately after the games that people can listen to on their cell phones and Bluetooth into their car speakers. So a few things I get right. Thank you for pointing that out. Well, Um, you're welcome. And this is one of them. And now here's the reason why I started with this. Because a few years ago, if we looked at coaching talent and, and tenure and how long people will stay, none of that would have mattered if we were comparing the two schools. None of that would have mattered because of the systemic advantage Iowa had with the stability of its own league. But I, I think that's kind of off the table now because I think the Big 12 has found a way and, and really, I, I, you know, I, I don't give too much credit to Bob Bowlesby. I, I, I really think that the league was just so dysfunctional and so divided that ESPN had to save it from itself. And, and ESPN decided whatever it will cost us to keep the Big 12 together, we will save in the further musical chairs and, and the further, you know, rights fees of Texas going to a Big 10 or a Pac-12 mm-hmm. to save it, for example, and everything else we'd have to cover, whatever we're paying the Big 12 to stay together is pennies on the dollar for what will, what will happen if this thing breaks apart. And they kind of failed into this with their dysfunction and their divisiveness. That I've kind of, they, they've all realized they're in a position now that the, the relationship is judgment-proof. Everybody is now in a spot, and except for Oklahoma. I mean, if Oklahoma were to go to the Big 10, they'd be better off. But I doubt they can go without Oklahoma State, and there's no way the Big Ten's taking that school. All right? So, except for maybe Oklahoma, who still has a really good deal, though, you cannot argue that any other school in the Big 12 would be better off with any other singular relationship other than the one that they have right now. And that, to me, now takes the systemic advantage Iowa had in this conversation, being a member of the Big Ten, I think that kind of takes that conversation off the table and in a way that we probably wouldn't even entertain this a few years ago because of that systemic advantage. No, you're exactly right. And, and yeah, whatever variation of how this has happened, it has happened. And I certainly give Bob Bowlesby credit. And the new way, the future of how we consume our entertainment is absolutely going to be uh, data. Every smart, every, every TV right now that's being manufactured is a smart TV. Uh, you know, it will that has Google Chrome built in or some variation of, you know, Amazon's Fire Stick or what have you. Your points earlier about Hulu being owned by Disney, I guess I'm not necessarily in the loop. I didn't realize that, and I think that you're already beginning to see. You know, sites like a, a Hulu or an Amazon Prime and others get into the uh, sports gig, live sports mm-hmm. bid. And I didn't, was Amazon Prime one of the companies that 
won the regional sports networks uh, bid from from Fox. Sinclair ended up owning, winning that. Okay, so it wasn't Amazon. Okay, they it were in Amazon. it though. They were trying. Yeah, and and Yahoo announced that they're going to carry like a live version of uh, Yahoo Sports for their fantasy for fantasy football. They're going to have like a live fantasy channel, like a red zone channel for Yahoo online this fall. Just mm-hmm. announced they just announced that. But yeah, Sinclair just uh, purchased all the old Fox Sports Nets, which Disney couldn't put in the Fox deal because they already own ESPN. So um, and Sinclair's announced that they're going to make this uh, in live uh, live in game. This is going to be the central hub for live in game sports wagering. Mm. They're going to hook up with a FanDuel or a national company like that, and you'll be able to just right off of Sinclair as a centralized hub, and their Fox Sports Nets, the games and stuff, and the events they carry, you know, which would be like every regional network for the NBA, uh, Major League Baseball teams, a lot of NHL teams. You'll just do live in-game wagering right there while you're watching the game. That's interesting. Some problems I see right away with that would be internet connections and speed was is really going to limit the type of wagers you're going to be able to make. You're not going to be able to make wagers after certain plays, like what the next play is, because, mm-hmm. I mean, these things run 30, 40, 50 seconds behind sometimes. It's why I don't like, you know, if I've got to stream a game or whatever, I'm, I'm not on Twitter because it basically is spoilers because of the lag. Yep. But uh, there are certainly other bets. All right. So anyway, this is a long way of saying – this is where it's all headed. And the Big 12, uh, he who is last shall be first, apparently. They are the first into this digital breach in a way that is going to become more and more mainstream. You and I talked about this a couple of years back when the Big 10 chose to end its contracts earlier. Um, ESPN and some others wanted to go longer. The Big 10 said, what was it, 2024? They yeah. had an opportunity renegotiate their window and they only did it six years as opposed to the 10 or plus we thought that they were going to do which made us both say okay so by the time we get to this next contract it's going to be all about the digital now it may not be all digital but i think the pendulum is going to swing where more big 10 games than not will be consumable via a digital platform and that is a really powerful bundle that you're talking about. You, not only is it going to be the the Marvel uh, titles, the the Star Wars titles are going to be there. Any any yep. parent with a child under the age of like I don't know thirteen or fourteen, they're going to have this because they can at any point in time turn on one of Disney's vast collection of children's movies and have Disney babysit their child on demand year round, twenty four seven. Yep. And then for the kids that are older than 13, they can watch Star Wars in the, in the, in the uh, Marvel Comics world. So that is an incredible offer to go along with the sports, the ESPN, then as well as Hulu. My goodness. That is very, very powerful. So back to the question at hand. If you, how about we say this, and, and I don't want to steal your, your topic or you know, bastardize it, but what if we say you had an opportunity, both the Iowa athletic director's job was open mm-hmm. and the Iowa State athletic director's job was open, and you got your choice, and both have basically said, we're going to give you a blank check, and they're going to match each other's salary, so money's not a 
an issue for this job, and they are going to give you a five-year guaranteed contract. Which one do you take? We've just laid out some thoughts relative to money. Uh, the Big Ten Network looks like it's probably going to be paying upwards of $50 million a year. I still think the Big Ten Network during this five-year period is going to pay more than what the, the Big 12 will get per school, but not what it would have been at one point in time. So we've talked about the economics. Let's talk about facilities now and, and environments now. Kinnick Stadium, great environment, loud environment, regularly considered by Big Ten visiting players as one of the toughest places to play in the sport, getting an incredible facelift uh, when the, this season kicks off. The north end zone will now be done. It's like the last thing to be redone in the whole place. So bathroom's not a problem. Concession's not a problem. Uh, suites all over the place. Nearly 70,000 people. Meanwhile, in Ames, they've done a similar thing to their stadium these last five, six, seven years. One of the largest video boards uh, in the sport. The environment at Jack Trice Stadium is fantastic. And those fans are showing up. They are there just as much as Iowa fans are. Um, the following, even though Iowa maybe seats, what, maybe nine, eight, nine thousand more than Jack Trice if it's banged out and sold out. Uh, it's a great environment. And I haven't been for a long time. I just have several friends who've been recently and told me all about it. I don't know the last time you've been up there. But it's been about, it's but, been about three or four years since I've been up there, I think. For okay. And, you know. And then, so just from an environment standpoint, tailgating, I think, I think tailgating, and even though I'm not a drinker, so I certainly would not be the best person. And I think this is where nostalgia comes in. And I don't really have time for that in a subjective, trying to have a subjective debate. I, you know, I've said this ever since the first time I went to Jack Trice in 1997, a trip I barely remember uh, for, you know, reasons I no longer dabble in is it reminded me of, of a mini Arrowhead Stadium setup. It reminded me of an NFL tailgating parking lot. And it's for people that like that, it's fantastic. Iowa, yeah, you're tailgating in the neighborhoods, and the, the, the vibe walking up to the stadium is unique. They're both unique. I think they're both really good. And if I am going to remove my nostalgia, I mean – my mind says you're still going to side with Kinnick, John, but I I'm willing to say that if I side with Kinnick, it may just be because of my experiences and exposures there are impossible for me to separate the two. I think we're going to have a similar conversation along these lines or come to a similar conclusion, regardless of the conversation we have when we look at all the rest of the individual components now. Because you take the systemic advantage of being in the Big Ten. And you and I both know the number. You, you still would rather be in the Big Ten. But Iowa State cannot get into the Big Ten. They're in the, but they are now in the best position that they could have possibly been in when three or four years ago, when we would add up, hey, when we, when we break down to four 16-team conferences, there's five teams for two, the last two spots. Does Iowa State get one of them, right? We used to have those conversations. So both teams are now... Whole, you know, in terms of a top line measurement, they're now all, both in the best situations they could possibly be in with where their two leagues are at and where they're at in those leagues. 
So the, you break the rest of this down, you look at the upgrades that Iowa State has made. I mean, Iowa, I used to take heat early in my career for calling Kinnick a dump in a glorified high school stadium. Because I used to watch it on TV growing up. You know, Michigan and Iowa was more of a rivalry to me than Michigan and Ohio State because we beat Ohio State all the time. I mean, Iowa was the team that, you know, was, was, was frustrating for us. And I remember the first time I went there to cover something, and I'm like, this is the vaunted Kinnick Stadium. I went back there right after they finished all of the original rounds of upgrades and everything back in 2011, and I covered the Michigan-Iowa game for the uh, Michigan 24-7 site. I could not believe the difference. That was, you know, eight years ago now. I mean, I mean, I, I was blown away by how much they had upgraded that stadium. Uh, it, and, and Iowa has, on a national basis, kind of the most underrated home field environment. It often doesn't get talked about when they talk about, you know, you know, like everybody talks about Penn State's, rec, you know, Penn State in the whiteout. Do you know they're like seven and seven all time in whiteout games? They're only 500 hmm. in whiteout games. You know, where you want to play a trend, be, play Iowa as a home underdog at night. No matter, it doesn't matter if it's number one Miami in 1992 or Michigan, number two Michigan in 2016 or Penn State two years ago. Iowa covers that line almost every single time. Uh, you go to, uh, you know, but you look at what uh, Jamie and Pollard's done at, at Jack Trice. You know, some of those amenities began under Bruce Vandevelde, but Jamie's really upped it with the scoreboard, as you said, uh, the closed-in end zone, um, uh, the, the advanced seating they have there. I think they now have the third largest on-campus facility football stadium in the entire Big 12 conference. You know, so I, I really, again, think that, we're kind of just down to your own personal preference now. What co- what team do you like better? What community do you like better? What commute do you like better? Yeah, uh, I, I think by and large, you're probably right about that. I think that um, if I if I break in football, basketball, I, th- I think things are a little better at Iowa State. I think it's. You know the environment's way better. If I'm the Iowa, if I'm looking at being becoming the Iowa athletic director, I look at I look at Carver Hawkeye Arena as a problem, yeah. not an asset. I look at that as it's it 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 needs to be moved. The parking is, it is inadequate. With all the upgrades that have gone on, where Michigan finally put a couple like a hundred million dollars into basketball renovations, the new facility Northwestern built. The facilities that already were just that were redone at Wisconsin and Ohio State in recent years. Illinois has a class, has a great facility. Indiana has a classic facility. Minnesota kind of has the venerable old barn. Is it possible Iowa has the worst basketball facility in the conference? Whoa, that topic just blew my mind. And I uh, and I just thought of it as we were talking. So so if it's hot takey, I'm sorry. I'm asking. I don't know. Maybe. Well, know, I mean, okay. Is it worse than the rack at Rutgers? I mean, Penn State has a Sterling facility, just no one goes to their games. So, so I would say Minnesota and the Rack and Mackey Arena. I think these are the debates. I'm, I'm not saying that, that Iowa is better than any of those. I mean, so I, I, I would just assume Iowa be in the field house. Yeah. And then Carver Hawkeye. I tweeted about that the other day. And that's, and that's, that's what the barn is in Minnesota. I love that. If you're not, if you're, again, this is when they built Harper Hawkeye Arena and was like 81, 82, whenever that was, it was, it was state of the art for the time. You know, they maybe didn't think about 
the entry level at the top with no um, vomitoriums midway up and how that could be a problem for an aging fan base someday. Uh, and the elevators are slower than molasses and there's not enough of them to take care and, uh, of the people. But yeah, I mean, it's one of the two or three worst, I think. It's one of the two or three worst. No doubt about it. That's a great topic. I Here's think the problem. they, they need to move the it. With, with this question. It doesn't matter if the answer to my question is yes. What matters is that it wasn't immediately no. Does that make sense? Sure. It's like the Hall of Fame question. If you don't think someone, yes. if you ask somebody if they should be in the Hall of Fame, yes or no, and your answer isn't instantly yes, and they shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Correct. So the fact that, that you had to actually do the math out loud to answer that question without being able to, with conviction, give a resounding no, indicates that there's a problem there. And with the amount of money your athletic department is making from being in the Big Ten, really there's no excuse for everybody in the Big Ten, not to collectively have the best resources and, and, and facilities, you know, maybe short of what they do at a Texas or in the SEC. Every, every school in this league. If, okay, I, I know some people right now are thinking, well, John, you know, Steve even brought this up, that Michigan put a bunch of money into Chrysler, that mm -hmm. Illinois put a bunch of money into Assembly Hall, that Northwestern put a bunch of money into their place. You know, Iowa recently put some money in Carver. Why don't we just put money in Carver? It's because parking, yeah. parking sucks. Parking Well, sucks. I was going to bring that up. There's too, nothing but I, around the, this, yeah. there's nothing around the arena. Sorry, Wigan Penn, you're a long walk into cold winter. Not going to happen. Well, you know it's my history. I, I, never, I never went to a game there where I didn't get a ticket. Never went to one. For years. Never went to a game there where I didn't get a ticket. So, uh, you're right. The parking there is terrible. Absolutely it is. That's <laughs> not what I meant, but yes. Um, it, it's just, it's not, it's not good. Assembly Hall, it's, it's, it's near the football stadium. Chrysler Arena is near the football stadium. Mm -hmm. So you have all that football access parking. Parking is not as bad. Why are people up knitting? Uh, why, why are people up on the mezzanine, mezzanine level of Carver Hawk Arena late in games? Are they getting up and out of their seats and watching up there? Because getting out of that facility and getting to your car and getting out of there because of the the low number of traffic lanes there are, it's a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And in the winter, and you don't want to be stuck in your car for two hours. So, anyhow, that's, I think Carver Hawkeye's got problems that a renovation just isn't going to solve. I think they need to move it. Um, you know, whether it's downtown or something or west, I don't know. Anyhow, back to the debate at hand. Um, winning championships. Big Ten, Iowa is in the Big Ten West. For football, that is the division to be in, uh, for sure. You've got a better chance of getting to a, a championship game, I think, uh, at Iowa in football than mm -hmm. you do at Iowa State. And as an athletic director, football is still the bell cow, and you still need to have success there. I would say that is something that's in Iowa's favor, given that Iowa State has to play that round-robin schedule in the Big 12. Agreed. But I also think as an athletic director, you have to look at what are your fans' expectations, though? For example, you know, how many empty seats are at Iowa, in Iowa City 
if they go seven and five, three or four years in a row, seven and five, eight and four, and they're nowhere in the big, yeah, big, ten, big 10 West race, you do that at Iowa State, and the answer is pretty much none. So the expectations are a, are a factor in what you just said as well, you know, and some athletic directors would be like, you know, I want to go where I can, you know, win as many championships as I can. Well, with all due respect to Iowa, if you're thinking that way, you're probably not going to, you're not, you're not looking to stay as the athletic director at Iowa. Because I think Iowa's just won its first Big Ten championship in any sport since 2017, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now if you're looking for where can I have a good quality of life, a reasonable fan base, be successful, pay the bills, you know, people celebrate when we do something great, but don't lose it when we only do something pretty good, you know? I think it really just depends on what you're looking for. You know, if you are a Gene Smith type of athletic director, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I knew Gene when he was at Iowa State, and then he left for Arizona State, and then he came to Ohio State. You know, everybody knew all along that Gene was working his way up the food chain. Same thing with Bob Bowlesby. I mean, you, you know, the conversation when you and I used to do this daily on the radio. I mean, it was open-aired conversation. Everybody knows Bob Bowlesby wants to be head of the NCA one day, right? You know what I mean? It, there's nothing wrong with having goals. Uh, and, I, and I'll bet you when Jamie, in fact, I think I can safely say this, I, that Jamie Pollard did not think he would end up at Iowa State for good. But I think he just fell in love with the community and the culture there and realized, you know what? I got a really good thing here and a good quality of life. And we can win enough in things that matter to people enough. But I also don't have all of the stress that goes along with with this job. It's one of the most it's one of the most difficult jobs in sports. You know, that's why it's only been in the last year I've been really critical of Gary Barta. I've never really been all that impressed with him as you know, but it it's really only has it's become systemic now with lawsuits and everything else that enough is enough. But and here's why it's one of the toughest jobs in all of sports because you are expected to produce free market results. But within in the the confines of utopian academic environments, um, and that's really difficult. You have to operate, you know, in a in a in a hybrid economic model, where you can't unless you're in the SEC, where they just don't care. I've always I've talked I've talked about before when Jerry Donardo first got the job at Indiana in 2002. I was at Big Ten Media Days that year, and the first question he got was he just came from from uh, LSU and Vanderbilt. And the first question he got was, hey, what's the difference between the Big Ten and the SEC? And his answer was, well, we don't have faculty reps in the SEC. <laughs> All right. So if you're down there where, they, you know, hey, you're an athlete student and not a student athlete, that's that's different from almost everywhere else in the country. Everywhere else, everywhere else in the country, you have to operate. I mean, the Des Moines Register still runs stories. And they're not the only ones. The Detroit News and Free Press do this about Michigan's coaches, too. The local papers here in the Big Ten still make it seem like our coaches are the most are the highest paid university employees when like none of their salaries actually come from the university, you know. And so but there's that perception that you're in this utopian economic environment. But yet I expect you to give me because of what you're charging me for tickets and 30 bucks for a T-shirt with your logo on it. I'm I'm you're I'm expecting you to give me major league results. So it is a very difficult job. Plus, you're paying and giving guarantees to coaches that are often making four or five times what you're making. You know, so 
that there's that aspect of it too. So it's really a difficult gig. And that's why I can see a, a guy who like Jamie Pollard, who came to Iowa state as the new hotness. He was Barry Alvarez's Lieutenant at Wisconsin. And, and I, and, and I, I think it's pretty, I'm, I'm confident in saying Jamie came here thinking I'm going to turn this thing around. And then I'm going back to the big 10, maybe back to Wisconsin. And then in the end realized, you know what, this is a tough damn job. And the people here are great. And there's a quality of life that that is tough to duplicate in collegiate sports. So I really just think think it comes down to what's your career track with that question. So, by the way, as we were recording this, I, I became aware of, and you might have known this an hour or more ago, that on Monday, the 13th of May, as we're recording this, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds has signed legislation that allows gambling on college and professional sports in the state of Iowa. Um it allows Iowans 21 years of age and older to wager on sporting events at any of Iowa's 19 casinos and online if you visit a casino once in person to prove they are at least 21. It also legalizes bets on fantasy sports through websites and apps like DraftKings and FanDuel's certain restrictions. Iowans can visit, they can bet on the results of games. The law does not allow in-game prop bets like how many points a certain player will score. So there you go. You, now having ascended to sharp status, must be elated. Um, yes and no. I mean, I, I'm not comfortable with, with um, state-run casinos as a business model. Because I think that is different now than playing a stock playing a football game or a, or a horse racing card like a stock market and the reason mm -hmm. why is because when it's done through a government entity directly um like I, i'm not an anarchist i don't be, i believe in limited government i don't believe in no government you know, I don't trust human nature so somebody's got to ultimately decide you know someone's got to be communist in the arena and give the thumbs up or the thumbs down right i'm not an anarchist so I like it when the state regulates these things to make sure they're on the up and up. But when they are a direct participant through casinos in any model, whether it is horse racing, paramutuals, or, or, or other learned speculation like sports wagering, which is totally different than watching retirees put their 401ks mindlessly in a slot machine, that I'm totally against. From a reg But the reason why is because you set up a business model where the state essentially is now doing a regressive form of taxation to, to fund itself, meaning it, it's funding the most vulnerable of its people, or it's taxing the most vulnerable of its people to fund its, fund its, uh, its budget, if you know what I'm trying to say, okay? Yes. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not comfortable with that morally. To me, that's totally different than I'm going to deal with a private entity as a private citizen, like a FanDuel, or somebody who does a lot of the, this interstate sports wagering, and you know, um, I'm treating them like I'm treating, you know, my stockbroker or something of that nature. That's a direct private business relationship, uh, and they're going to tightly screen me to see the private industry is going to really screen me to make sure I can pay off my debts, you know, because if I can't, they have to pay them. You know, they don't get to print more money. Or just you know raise a tax rate like a government can. So I like some of that. You know I love the idea of doing it. You know with a national company that's regulated. I don't necessarily like the idea 
of connecting it to the casinos. I really dislike the idea that I have to go inside a casino to verify my to verify my age, because again, that's where I'm like, well, you know, while I'm here, I want to put fifty bucks in a slot machine. To me, that's not the same thing as bet as as wagering or betting on a sports game, where there is a there's that's learned speculation. Right. When, when you're just putting money in a slot machine, that's just mind numbed to me, mind numbed idolatry, and I think that's far more addicting, in my view, because you're you. There's always the allure. Hey, I can get lucky. I can get lucky. You know, you're not going to get lucky betting game seven of the Raptors um, and the, uh, uh, you know, and the Nuggets. I'm, or, I'm sorry, the Raptors and the 76ers. I mean, you might get lucky that that shot from, Ky- 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 went, from Leonard went in. But, you know, you don't you look at it as, hey, I had the right side. I thought this through mentally. I think it's a totally different thing. But she had to do it because of the amount of states around us that were doing it. And, you know, we're we're off now. I mean, this this door is totally open now. And um, I would urge our audience members, if you're interested in doing it. um, To do it through a national company like a FanDuel or something like that within with your local casino owners, I would do it that way. So here we are, Iowa or Iowa State, next five years. It's probably cheaper to live in Story County, too, than it is um, in, Iowa, in Ames and Johnson County, I would think. Yes, you're closer uh, to Des Moines. You are closer to the population center. The people in Iowa City might say, well, you're closer to Chicago. But then again, in, in Ames, you've got Minnesota, Minneapolis just up north. You've got Kansas City to the south. and. Yeah, and you've got a great zoo in Omaha, just a little bit to the west. So I think we throw all that the garbage out. I, I think you're right. I, I think it just comes down to if you're a fan, look thinking through this, where your allegiances lie. If you're an athletic director from another part of the country with no dog in the fight, who do you pick? Um, I, I I still lean on thinking that the Big Ten is a more economically bankable entity in the long run. Therefore, well, there's certainly less drama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Therefore, sometimes though, the Big Ten needs more drama. You, right now, the Big Ten needs, you know, Jim Delaney. You, you, you needed, you need. Right now, the, the we need Jim Delaney of of 1998 and 1999, not 2019, playing out the string for his 20 million dollar, um, you know, uh, balloon payment at the end. Mm-hmm. We need, we need Ornery, piss and vinegar, Jim Delaney, who's pissed and who's who's who doesn't call ESPN to say, well, I'm totally fine with the playoff process. No, we need the Jim Delaney who finds out that the SEC just added two teams. So he calls Penn State and says, screw that noise. I'm coming off the top rope, bitches. That's the Jim Delaney we need. We don't have that guy anymore. All right. We need the Jim Delaney that looks at ESPN's, uh, ESPN's program director 15 years ago when he looked at his had his last TV deal. And didn't like the numbers. And the guy looked at him and says, what are you going to go start your own network? And he looked at him and said, challenge accepted. That, we don't have that guy anymore now. We need the guy, because we need that guy to go to the NCA and say, if you guys, if, if, if Sean Miller and, and, and Wade, whatever his name, at LSU, if those guys aren't, if I don't see them hanging in effigy at NCAA quarters in 48 hours, all right? We're, uh, we're, we're, we're no longer sanctioning you as our governing body. 
do this without us. We don't have that guy right now. And so as a league, we're kind of just taking it as ESPN's partnership with the SEC take total takes total control over the college football playoff. So now we get we get 24 hours of shows of the day before the, leading up to Selection Day about how Georgia, who uh, Georgia with with two losses, who lost in its conference championship game, uh, is sh- should be in the playoff over Ohio State and Oklahoma both. Right? We can't have that, and that we need a commissioner that says hell no. That's the way. That's the Jim Delaney used to. He's not the guy anymore that you used to. That you, you know, he's not doing Godfather. He's not. Yeah, you know, it's like he. And and you know what? To be fair, most men who were had the most piss and vinegar when they were younger usually end like this. They've 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 scorched their earth. They've burned their bridges, and they're like, you know what, man? I did my tour of duty. Time to get paid on the way out and leave a nice nest egg for the grandkids. I don't begrudge him of that at all. I just need. We just need June of 2020 to get here real quick, because we're getting t- we're taking it in the shorts right now as a league. Because our commissioner has essentially checked out. Yeah, good point. So that that's 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 where I land on it. Is I I think the Big Ten financially is a better uh, better for me in the long run. That I think the money train is going to be a little more safe in the long run for me. And since raising funds are a big part of any athletic athletic director's job, uh, that seems to me like the easier chore or or the safer play. But it is not as cut and dried as. Maybe I even thought before we started this. Well said. All right. What about you? What do you pick? I mean, you're the one without really, I mean, too much of a, you're a Michigan fan. That's your first love. But you also, you root for Iowa State, so you've got a foot in both conferences. Um, the option of not directly competing against Michigan and then being closer to Des Moines, I'd probably go with Iowa State. So personal bias enters even your picks as well. Yeah, because I don't think there's a systemic advantage anymore. Right. I mean, we, would, we wouldn't even done this show five years ago. No, you said it's topic. Yeah. We were wondering, you know, Mac, Mountain West, where, where's Iowa State going? I think we did you that know? show. Yes. Indeed. All right, that'll do it for this installment of the HN Podcast. For Steve and John, we'll talk to you soon.